Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? Did you have a good weekend? I pray, pray, pray that you did. Some of you had snow. Um, It's been pretty cold here in Tulsa, but no snow over the weekend. Um, It's wonderful to be with you. And today, as you may have heard, if you were listening just before the program started, is the Feast of St. Scholastica, the twin sister of St. Benedict. And since we're Benedictines, it's our feast day today. And it's a glorious feast day, and we have wonderful, wonderful saints. It is also the second day of Septuagesima. Now, many of you don't know, as I didn't know a while back, what Septuagesima was. In the Catholic Church, I would say prior to Vatican II, no, I entered the church after Vatican II in 1995, but prior to Vatican II, um, the entire church celebrated every day of the year. We were in a season. There was no ordinary time. Nothing was ordinary. And I, I think um, the term ordinary was not intended to mean just ordinary, because nothing about our faith is ordinary in that sense. But it meant it was between feast times, in between seasons. And yet, to live the ent- entire liturgical year, is to really live the liturgy of the entire life of Christ. And there's we're never between a season. I, I just love discovering this, because I entered the church in the Novus Ordo and uh, spent most of these years in the Novus Ordo. Just a few years ago, I discovered the Latin Mass, the Tridentine Mass, the Mass prior to Vatican II, and um, that still exists today, of course. And... What I absolutely love, there are some parishes that that celebrate the Tridentine, the the, the Latin Mass, which I really um, appreciate, Um, but it doesn't come near to a Latin Mass parish who celebrates the entire liturgical year. And so everything... We go from one season to another. We're either coming out of a season or we're going into a season and preparing for it. And so last Sunday, February 2nd, was the end traditionally of the Christmas season. It was candle mass, a procession of candles because Simeon, the light uh, in his nunc Demetrius said the light of the world had come, the light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people Israel. That was truly, and the three feasts in one, um, the presentation of our Lord in the temple, the purification of the Blessed Virgin and Candlemas, really ending a 40-day season of Christmas, Christmas tide, we call it. And so... Um, now, the first Sunday after that, we, we enter a new season of Septuagesima, and that is 
three weeks. It's a very short season of three weeks, and it spans between Christmas and Lent. And it means Septuagesima 70. It's actually 70 days um, before Easter, but uh, less if you discount Sundays and holy days and and that sort of thing. Um, But it's 70 reminding us of the Babylonian captivity, um, which was 70 years. And so in a sense, we are in captivity. We are in exile on this earth. And we prepare for Easter. We, well, actually, we prepare for Lent. Um, and the, the vestments are already purple. And we already do away with the Alleluia and with the uh, Gloria um, and any form of, of uh, praising God like that. Um, uh, we went to, we go to the Novus Ordo Mass during the week because. Our schedule won't allow us to go to the Latin Mass uh, during the week and come back to the Priory on time. Uh, so we go on Sundays. And and this morning uh, we went and they still had the Alleluias in the Novus Ordo and, yes, celebrated the Feast of St. Scholastica. Um, it's a very quiet, lovely group of people during the week and we... And it happens to be the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Tulsa. So we we very much enjoy going there. Um, uh, but it is Septuagesima. And I thought it just might do us good to uh, just read a little bit. We have the 15-volume, uh, 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 l- the liturgical year by the Right Reverend Dom Prosper Garanger, he is the one that returned the Benedictine order to France and Gregorian chants and all of that in the 1800s. Extremely, extremely beautiful. And um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to begin. There's the history of Septuagesima, and he does this for each, each season in this um, in his great 15-volume set. He begins with the history. He begins with the um, history of a season, then the mystery of a season, and how to practice a season for every um, every single season. So now we are beginning the three-week season following Christmas. Christmas is the first season of the year. We begin with Advent in preparation for Christmas. Advent is the Catholic New Year. So Happy New Year. Little, little, little into the new year already, and I wish Holy Family um, uh, Radio in Grand Rapids, Michigan, a happy new year. A little late, <clears throat> but welcome everyone from Holy Family in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I think you're elsewhere in Michigan as well. Um, new to the Station of the Cross, God bless you, and new to Mother Miriam Live. Um, it's good to be with you, and we invite all of you to call in. You're listening live, I understand, and we invite you. We teach for about the first half of the program through the first break, uh, through the second break, and then for an entire half hour, we take your calls, your emails, your texts, whatever is on your heart. You can call in anonymously uh, if you wish, or text anonymously, or email if you wish, not an issue in the world. Um, and the and never need to call in on what we're talking about, but
what uh, we always say, that the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And so um, we're thrilled that you're with us. It's it's so wonderful to to grow our family. And we've had calls from people in other states across our great nation um, who want to get it on local Catholic radio. Um, you can always get um, uh, our program uh, through Station of the Cross and live streamed on LifeSite News. Um, so you can do that on the Internet, um, on Facebook, uh, going to the podcast of each of us. All, you can always do that or on your phone. Um, but if you wish your local Catholic radio station to carry it, uh, either live or uh, in uh, a, a better time that's uh, more convenient for the station or for the city, um, just get a hold of uh, the Station of the Cross and ask for the um, the manager of the Station of the Cross. They're out of Buffalo, New York, and they'll they'll set you up. It's so wonderful. So welcome, welcome, Catholic Family Radio. I'm going to read just a little bit from the liturgical year by Dom Prosper Garanger on our practice during Septuagesima, and he introduces it some. It's I'm thrilled. I'm so happy. I'm not in ordinary time. We are. Um, uh, we went to church this morning, and we were in ordinary time with the Alleluias. But yesterday, on Sunday, we were in the beginning of the season of Septuagesima, where we begin to prepare for Lent. We begin not necessarily to fast, but yes, we can fast. Um, just begin a little bit to prepare for that uh, magnificent season of Lent. And so Dom Garanger writes this, The joys of Christmastide seem to have fled far from us. The 40 days of gladness brought us by the birth of our Emmanuel are gone. You see how fast how amazing it is from one season to another. It seems so far gone already. He says, The atmosphere of Holy Church has grown overcast, and we are warned that the gloom is still too thick in, oh dear. Have we then forever lost him during the four slow weeks of our Advent? How's our divine son of justice that rose so brightly in Bethlehem now stopped his course and left our guilty earth? Not so. The son of God, the child of Mary, has not left us. The word was made flesh in order that he might dwell among us. A glory far greater than that of his birth when angels sang their hymns awaits him. And we are to share it with him. There's the music for our first break, beloved. Again, I'll give you the toll-free number. We have one more small section before we begin to take your calls. But you're welcome at any time to call in toll-free. 1-877-511-5483. You can text at that number as well. Or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and if you're from Holy Family Radio in Grand Rapids, Michigan this is our first morning together I would love at least one person to call in from Grand Rapids how, how a delight it would be to say hello to you we'll be right back after the break 
This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer honoring St. Ignatius of Antioch. Almighty God, we praise you for your bishop and martyr, St. Ignatius, who offered himself as grain to be ground by the teeth of wild beasts, that he might present to you the pure bread of sacrifice. Accept the willing tribute of our lives, and give us a share in the pure and spotless offering of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. At the Station of the Cross, we understand the importance of prayer and the celebration of the liturgy. Find out when we air the Most Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Hours, and the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Just visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Programs tab at the top of the page. Here you'll find the link to our programming schedule. That's at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved, and again, a special welcome to our extended family uh, listening live um, for the first time today on Holy Family Radio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I want to tell all of you there in Grand Rapids, you can also um, listen on Facebook, uh, YouTube, Uh, If you miss the live program or the time that it's actually aired, you can listen any day. You can go back into the archives um, and um, just it's so much availability we have through technology today. It's terrific. So, okay, I'm going to continue reading. We're reading Dom Geringer's liturgical year on the Feast of Septuagint, uh, rather Septuagesima, um, those that short three-week period between Christmas and Lent. And uh, uh, Dom Geringer has just said, um, has, has our divine son of justice that rose so brightly in Bethlehem now stopped his course and left us, left our guilty earth? We had so much glory at Christmas waiting for the child to come. And then Christmas was here, and we spent a glorious Christmas tide. For those of you who celebrate the full season traditionally up to last summer, I'm 
I don't know where my words are coming from this morning, last Sunday, which was actually Three Feasts in One, the presentation of our Blessed Lord in the Temple, um, the Purification of the Blessed Virgin, and Candle Mass. And so Dom Geringer says, not so. No, 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 he's not gone. The Son of God, the child of Mary, has not left us. The Word was made flesh in order that he might dwell among us, a glory far greater than that of his birth, when the angels sang their hymns awaits him, and we are to share it with him. A glory far greater than our Savior's birth awaits him, and we're going to share it with him. Only, Don Geringer says, he must win this new and greater glory by strange, countless sufferings. He must purchase it by a most cruel and ignominious death. And we, if we would have our share in the triumph of his resurrection, must follow him in the way of his cross, all wet with the tears and the blood he shed for us. The grave, the grave maternal voice of the church, of our mother the church, will soon be heard, inviting us to the Lenten penance, but she wishes us to prepare for this laborious baptism by employing these three weeks in considering the deep wounds caused in our souls by sin. We're in a three-week season, beloved Septuagesima that connects the conclusion of Christmastide to the beginning of Lent. True, the beauty and loveliness of the little child born to us in Bethlehem are great beyond measure, but our souls are so needy that they require other lessons than those he gave us of humility and simplicity. Our Jesus is the victim of the divine justice, and he has now attained the fullness of his age. The altar on which he has to be slain is ready, and since it is for us that he is to be sacrificed, we should at once set ourselves to consider what are the debts we have contracted toward that infinite justice which is about to punish the innocent one, that's Jesus, instead of us, the guilty. The mystery of a God becoming incarnate for the love of his creature has opened to us the path of the illuminative way. But we have not yet seen the brightest of its light. Let not our hearts be troubled. The divine wonders we witnessed at Bethlehem are to be surpassed by those that are to grace the day of our Jesus' triumph. But that our eye may contemplate these future mysteries, our eyes, I'm sorry, it must be purified by courageously looking into the deep abyss of our own personal miseries. God will grant us his divine light for the discovery and if we come to know ourselves, to understand the grievousness of original sin, to see the malice of our own sins, and to comprehend, at least in some degree, the infinite mercy of God towards us, we shall be prepared for the holy expiations of 
of Lent, the holy expiations of Lent, and for the ineffable joys of Easter. Takes a preparation, beloved. The season, then, of Septuagesima is one of the most, one of most serious thought. Perhaps we could not better show this se- the sentiments wherewith the church would have her children to be filled at this period of her year than by quoting a few words from the eloquent exhortation given to his people at the beginning of Septuagesima by the celebrated Ivo of Chartres. He spoke thus to the faithful of the 11th century, quote, We know, says the Apostle, that every creature groaneth and travaileth in pain, even till now, and not only it but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of the sons of God, the redemption of our body. The creature here spoken of is the soul that has been regenerated from the corruption of sin into the likeness of God. She groaneth within herself at seeing herself made subject to vanity. She, like one that travaileth, is filled with pain, and that is one, I'm sorry, is filled with pain and is devoured by an anxious longing to be in that country, which is still so far off. It was this travail and pain that the psalmist was suffering when he exclaimed, Woe to me that my sojourn is prolonged. Nay, that apostle who was one of the first members of the church and had received the Holy Spirit longed to have in all its I'm sorry, longed to have in all its reality that adoption of the sons of God, which already had in hope, and he too thus exclaimed in his parts, rather in his pain. Sorry about that, beloved. Let me reread that sentence. That apostle, who was one of the first members of the church and had received the Holy Spirit, longed to have, in all its reality, that adoption of the sons of God, which he already had in hope, and he too thus exclaimed in his pain, I desire to be dissolved and to be with Christ, end quote. During these days, therefore, we must do what we do at all seasons of the year, only we must do it more earnestly and fervently. I lost my place. My apologies. We must, we must sigh and weep after our country, from which we were exiled, you know, as we pray, Hail, Holy Queen, um, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweet sweetness and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of God. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thy mercy towards us, thy eyes of mercy towards us, and after this, our exile. 
show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. We are in exile from our motherland, from our homeland, our fatherland. We were exiled in consequence of having indulged in sinful pleasures. We must redouble our efforts in order to regain it by compunction and weeping of heart. Let us nourish, let us now shed tears in the way that we may afterwards be glad in our country. Let us now so run the race of this present life that we may make sure of the prize of the supernatural vocation. Let us not be like imprudent imprudent wayfarers, forgetting our country and preferring I don't think any of us prefers this. Let us not be imprudent wayfarers, forgetting our country and preferring our banishment to our home. Let us not become like those senseless invalids who feel not their ailments and seek no remedy. We despair of a sick man when will not, who will not be persuaded that he is a danger No, let us run to our Lord, the physician of eternal salvation. Let us show him our wounds and cry out to him with all earnestness, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. I am weak, heal me. For my... I'm sorry, have mercy on us, O Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, for my bones are troubled. Then will he forgive us our iniquities, heal us of our infirmities, and satisfy our desire with all good things. He's here, beloved. He awaits to do all things for those who will come to him. And if you haven't, if you're away from the church, come home, not just for Easter, but right now, so you can prepare. Your heart would be right for Easter. One more paragraph, beloved. I know I'm a little tired this morning. I'm sorry if I'm falling asleep on you. From all this, it is evident that the Christian who would spend Septuagesima according to the spirit of the church must make war upon that false security, must make war upon that self-satisfaction, which are so common to effeminate and tepid souls and produce spiritual barrenness. It is well for them if these delusions do not insensibly lead them to the absolute loss of the true Christian spirit. You know what? We have just a tiny bit more. If I can, I'll read it uh, during our second half or we'll pick up on it tomorrow. Um, there's our break, beloved, and I want to give out our toll-free number, especially for our new family on Holy Family Radio in um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So the number to call in toll-free is one 511 You can email, of course, or um, uh, text, of course, at that a toll-free number or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. 
Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Margie says, My go-to app. I love this channel. I can listen while busy around the house or driving in the car. I love the variety of programs. Keep up the good work. Michaela from New Zealand says, I love this app. I have it on Bluetooth in my car radio and listen to it all day, every day, and am encouraged in my Catholic faith. I would recommend this to the world, whether Christian or not, because it speaks to all people to become better people. I am now a huge follower of the American Catholic way of life because it's very similar to the way I was brought up in Fiji. The priests on the station are very straightforward, but are very understanding toward the audience at the same time. Love it, love it, love it. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live, and a, a welcome again to Holy Family Radio listeners in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And if one of you or ten of you would like to call in, it would be so nice to say hello to you in person. Our toll-free number, one 511 5483 You may text at that number as well, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We're going to take an email that was left on Facebook uh, by Bob. Bob says, in the book of Genesis, we read that Adam and Eve were naked, but that they felt no shame. To my mind, this begs at least two questions. First of all, why, prior to the fall, would it be necessary to point out that they felt no shame? I mean, as God created them, Bob says, they were naked. And we know that everything God created was very good. So at least originally, being naked would not have been a shameful condition. I realize that after sin entered the world, God's good creation was corrupted and lost its original innocence and beauty. But my question has to do with the situation prior to the fall. Bob, you're very right. They wouldn't have been naked. And you think 
you know, you say that as if, why wouldn't we know that? Two and two is four. Why was it necessary to say they felt no shame? Because it's being written after that to us. And if we picture a man and woman being naked in the garden, we would picture them being uh, feeling shame or being very shy. Um, and so it, it quickly uh, speaks to that. But yes, um, um, they felt no shame. And, and I think it was good uh, for the authors to say that. Excuse me. In their innocence, knowing there was no shame, there was no sin. No disorder. Bob says, secondly, during this same innocent period, while in their created naked state, what our first parents have experienced um, during this same innocent period, innocent period, is before the fall, while in their created naked state, what our first parents, parents have experienced a normal, healthy desire to be intimate with each other, because again, although sin sub- subsequently corrupted and perverted human sexuality, sex itself was created and ordained by God as being good, and I'll add to good, holy. Um, does the church take a position on these matters, and if so, what is it? I have not read... Bob, the church taking a position on those matters, but I would say absolutely yes, because God, uh, prior to the fall, God created Adam and Eve, and um, uh, they were they were completely innocent, and so I would say whatever was um, on their bodies, um, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, what's happening to me is I'm falling asleep again. Um, God told them before the fall to um, uh, multiply and fill the earth, be fruitful and multiply. So yes, I think our Lord would have given them um, a holy desire to be intimate with one another so they knew what to do. I believe that would have been the case. I don't know any formal church standing on it. We have an email from Barbara in Chicago who says, Good morning, Mother. I think I have found the answer to the question regarding the number of books in the Catholic Bible. Bless you, Barbara. I found a source online, which I hope is a good source, that explains that Bibles list um, Bibles that list Lamentations as part of Jeremiah have 72 books in them. However, Bibles that list Lamentations as a separate book have 73 in them. I hope this helps. God bless you, Mother. Beloved, for those of you who weren't tuned in last week, we had a couple of questions on whether there are 72 or 73 books in the Bible, and I wasn't able to verify that and look up a source. And Barbara, we, we love you for doing that. And so Barbara says that the, the mystery is with the, with the, uh, the book of Jeremiah, which contained lamentations, um, as the, as the, um, um, Again, as the key to the Bible containing 73, Lamentations was written as well, as you know, by Jeremiah, who was known as the weeping prophet. It's very beautiful. My favorite verse from Lamentations says that God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The steadfast Lord of the love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen.
name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. I love that passage. Um, we're going to go on to um, uh, Catherine uh, from Louisiana, and an email says, Good morning, Mother. I am a new listener. Welcome, Catherine. I feel I am behind, and I'm trying to catch up. Um, thank you for starting this program to enlighten us. Can I listen to you on the radio in Louisiana? If so, AM or FM, and the station numbers. Well, um, I'd have to find out if you can listen live in Louisiana, and then I can give you the station numbers. But I do know... um, Let me think for a moment. Um, That's right, we're not on the air in Louisiana. So, you know, um, you can listen... Uh, you said, can you listen on the radio? No, I'm sorry. We're not live on the air uh, on a local Louisiana station. You can listen as you're doing now um, uh, through your uh, computer or AM or, or FM. Um, I don't know, not AM or FM, but through your computer. Um, you can go online with Station of the Cross, um, uh, Catholic Radio, LifeSite News, iCatholic Radio, the uh, iCatholic Radio app is fantastic. You can get it for your phone. Um, and then if you can get on computer, uh, you can watch the program on YouTube, on Facebook, LifeSite News, Station of the Cross, and listen live on Station of the Cross as well. I hope that helps you, dear one. And you know what? If you have a local Catholic station in Louisiana, which I think you do, I don't know how close it is to Catherine, but um, you can have the station manager call uh, the manager at the Station of the Cross in Buffalo, New York, and say, we'd like to carry the programming live, and we'll work that out, no problem. That's how it got worked out with um, uh, Holy Family Radio today. Okay, we have an email from Jen who says, Hello, Mother. I would like to start praying the novena to St. Jude for my sister-in-law. That's wonderful. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't finish before. Um, I didn't finish the last one. Catherine says, at present, I watch or listen on computer. That's good. And she says, also, I would like your newsletter. To get our newsletter, dear Catherine, go to our website, if you can, um, which is... um, uh, mother of Israel's org. Our full name is Daughters of Mary, comma, Mother of Israel's Hope. And the website is www.motherofisraelshope.org. Um, and you've got, um, and you, um, yes, and then you can click on newsletter and right up on top there is a space for you to fill it out. You can get an email or snail mail, or both, um, anything you'd like. I love when people get it via snail mail, snail mail, as easy for you to say, snail mail as well, um, because often we send out holy cards or DVDs or CDs, or as with the Christmas newsletter, we send out our first DVD, uh, which you all get um, if you subscribe Um by snail mail, and we have your email address. Okay, um, let me see. I think that I think that answered it. And um, Catherine says, "Praise God that you are able to teach us what is truth and what is not." 
Yeah. I praise God for that, too. And I praise God for Station of the Radio and for LifeSite News for making that possible. And now as well for Holy Family Radio. We have an email from Jen who says, Hello, Mother. I would like to start praying the Novena to St. Jude for my sister-in-law. As I understand, I must pray it six times every day or nine consecutive days. Let me see now. Followed by prayer of the rosary. Okay, so I understand I must pray it six times a day for nine consecutive days, following by prayer of the rosary. Some questions come to mind. As I am to pray the novena six times a day, am I to am I to pray the novena six times a day at the same times per day? I don't think uh, I don't think that's an issue. Um, should it be said on nine consecutive days, on nine or nine consecutive Fridays? I don't know. You may have the choice. You may have that choice. Um, I cannot answer you that. I don't know with that devotion if you can pray it on nine consecutive Fridays. When I pray the rosary and need to answer the mysteries, do I simply recite Okay, when I pray the rosaries, I need to announce, and need to announce the mysteries. Do I simply recite their titles, or shall I describe them as well? Well, I think reciting their title, you're reciting the mystery, and there's no need to describe it. There are booklets put together, or uh, certain devotionals that have meditations on the mysteries, and if you have them, there's wonderful to read and um, meditate on them. But apart from that, you don't need to know. I want to tell you the rosary is valid even if you don't meditate on the mysteries and you pray the 15 decades or the 20 decades, it's still valid. All right, we have an email from Patty in Medfield, Pennsylvania. And um, Patty writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I am an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist. I heard you speaking of this on EWTN radio, but I only heard a little of it. Please let me know what the church truly teaches on this. We have small parishes in our town and have communion under both forms, that is the host and the cup, that is the body of Christ and the precious blood. We extraordinary ministers are assigned weekly. Um, I often felt that we are not needed except for the cup and taking communion to the sick. Please let me know what the church truly teaches on this. I have been thinking of quitting. Well, Patty, uh, what you're doing is is legitimate. Uh, after Vatican II, the church has allowed uh, extraordinary ministers, but again, they're extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist for extraordinary purposes. A, a small parish does not, eat, not need an extraordinary minister. And if you serve communion under both kinds... All that it's needed, if the, if the priest does not uh, have the, the form of intinction where he dips the host into the precious blood, then um, you can have simply one extraordinary minister serving the cup. I mean, it's legitimate. I don't, uh, I don't wish it. I don't prefer it. I think uh, it, it should only be the priest and... Um, and served under one kind. You will 
you will go to a Latin parish and that's all you will see weekday or Sundays. And so when you have received, as you know, the host only and not the precious blood, you still received the whole Christ. So um, what you're doing is legitimate. Um, uh, it, let the priest distribute the host and one extraordinary minister dis, uh, distributing the, the cup, the precious blood. It's absolutely legitimate. But it grieves me. I don't think the lay people should be involved at all unless it's an extraordinary circumstance. The priest can't do it for some reason or some other very extraordinary reason. There's the music for our break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break. Call in toll-free with anything on your heart, one 544 Oh, dear. I've, I lost the number. I'm so sorry. Here it is. What? No. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. This is Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam on... The Station of the Cross and LifeSite News coming live to you. I'm so thrilled to be with you. This is our last segment. And again, you're free to call in with anything um, 
on your heart. Did I say Mother Miriam live? I think I did. I'm not sure. I tell you what, I can't believe how tired I am. I'm falling asleep in between sentences and missing words. Um, but I do remember to welcome again uh, Holy Family Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And for all of you or any of you to call in toll free with anything on your heart, one 511 Five four eight three, text at that number or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Okay, here is a text from Jane, um, who writes, "Dear Mother Miriam, I am a Catholic married to a Jewish man two years ago in the Catholic Church. He is agnostic. I have started to attend the traditional Latin Mass." and my faith has grown tremendously, praise God. My question is whether the priest from the Latin Mass would consider this marriage valid. My husband has a complete aversion now to Christianity. We are beyond childbearing age. Thank you so much. Jane, um, it's either valid or it's not. If If it's a valid marriage, um... In the Novus Ordo uh, right, then it's valid in the extraordinary right. It's either valid or not. Um, it's not valid or invalid based on the right it goes to uh, that that under which you are. It's it's the church which approves that. So if your marriage was valid, then it was, and then it is also in your Latin church. I'm so sorry that your husband has such an aversion now to Christianity, um, where apparently he didn't have such an aversion before you were married. I wonder what has um, what has changed that for him. I don't know what it is, but let me, as a sister to you, dear Jane, let me just throw out something you may not need me to throw out, but um, uh, live without, I'm sure you live without preaching to him uh, and and asking him every Sunday to come to church with you because that would really turn him off. And so um, um, just love him, just love him. And, and read a book called Why I Became Catholic. It's Elizabeth Lesur. Her husband wasn't Jewish, but an absolute atheist who hated what she did. He couldn't, she couldn't speak about it. She couldn't leave things around the house that were Catholic. And, um, she just lived her faith 100% and loved him. And after she died, he found her diary and read it. And it brought him to Christ. And he realized what her sacrifice was and how holy she was. And he not only became Catholic, but he became a priest. So you never know what a loving witness can do. In fact, if you look at um, uh, Paul's epistles to Timothy, uh, that the unbelie- the believing wife can win her unbelieving husband by her behavior, by her love, by her simplicity, by her modesty. And so that's that's what I would I would say, dear Jane. Um, and if you can ever um, get a book into the house, uh, I would I would recommend to you Honey from the Rock, six, the story of 16 Jews who became Catholic because they believed it was not the rejection of Judaism, 
but it's fulfillment. And your husband, as an atheist, um, might at least come to faith in God by reading something like that. But I would suggest you read it so that you might it might give you further ways to approach or not approach your husband. And then maybe for Hanukkah, or rather for your birthday, you or f- yes, for Hanukkah or uh, uh, some great feast or your birthday, um, you could say to him, "Honey, I have a book I would like you to read. It's your, it would be a great gift for me. You don't have to like it. You don't need to keep it, but I would love you to read it just for me for my birthday and see if he'll read that book. I I think it'll be uh, uh, maybe." by God's Spirit, life-changing for him. We have a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Dear Mother, I have a question concerning friendships between married couples. I know a married man at my church who was validly married in the church to a non-Christian. I am also validly married to a non-Christian. Christian. Okay, there's a man in your church married to a non-Christian, and you are validly married to a non-Christian. He has asked me a number of times to have coffee with him purely to catch up on things, nothing more. I have met his wife, and she's lovely. I said that we could catch up at church during coffee hour. He was okay with that, but offered an alternative location at a coffee shop I am, I'm traditional and just feel like married people do not socialize without the other, with members of the opposite sex, uh, period, end of sentence. He has asked a few times now, and I want to respond in the right way that will get the message across without alienating him. Any good words you su- could suggest, thanks so much. We're in fi- our 50s. Number one, you are 100% right. Uh, you... Absolutely, under no circumstances, should have coffee without that, uh, with that man, um, without your husband, and without his wife. The four of you, yes. Outside of that, no. The fact that he's persisted in asking you is extremely uh, questionable on his part. And what I would say to him, since he keeps responding and he doesn't understand uh, what is proper, you could. Finally, teach him, tell him the truth and say, no, the reason I've been saying no all this time is that it's not proper for me to meet you for coffee. Absolutely not. Even as friends, I don't meet any man um, outside of meeting him separately apart from my husband being with me. And it would be wonderful if your wife were with you and the four of us could go out for coffee. Just simply state that. You're not offending him. If he gets offended, it's because he's immature and um, uh, doesn't have a proper motive. Okay, we have a text from Anonymous in New York who says, as a 49-year-old cradle Catholic, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist is something I have often questioned. I do believe it, but only because I trust the Church Fathers not because I understand it or can explain it. Is this a bad thing? Yes, it's a bad thing, my beloved. It is a bad thing. This is your Christ, your heritage. It's good that you believe it because you trust the church fathers. You should trust John chapter 6, the words of our Lord, unless you 
uh, eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Uh, you should trust the church, not the church fathers. Church fathers uh, are very good, uh, but the church itself and its infallible teaching um, is 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 above them. First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven. Uh, anyone who drinks the body, uh, uh, the blood of Christ, and eats unworthily um, is condemned, has condemned themselves um, because it is truly Christ. So very, very serious. Um, uh, you must believe, dear one, and if you don't, you're missing a great treasure. There are many books out there. Um I'm going to suggest uh, This Is My Body by Mark Shea. Um, Oh, dear. The Hidden Manna by Monsignor James O'Connor. And go to the website of catholic.com and look up in their shop, the Eucharist, and um, look through their books. uh, So you believe. (laughs) 